Hello everybody, welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. My name is Steve Eunice, this is our show number 132, released on December 23rd, 2015, our final podcast for the year, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hello, Steve. Did you know that I'm the king of the geeks that sits on my throne on high and judges everyone below? I had heard something of the of something like that, um, but um, thank you for clarifying and, and confirming oh, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was some kind of a weird thing going on, but uh, we don't need to get into that. I don't think I ever said that. I don't feel that way. I don't believe that. In fact, I like cool, geeky stuff, but don't even necessarily consider that a negative thing, which seems to be kind of a connotation, well, you're a geek. Uh, but uh, people get upset about things sometimes and uh, make sorts throw down all sorts of accusations like lightning bolts and they hit you in the chest and you just shrug them off and it's all good. Talking about cool, geeky stuff, uh, or a cool, geeky person, I don't know if he's really geeky, but our sponsor, Patrick O'Neill, we should mention off the top of the show that uh, he's our uh, great sponsor and we're happy to to have him uh, sponsoring the show and uh, wish him and uh, his family a very Merry Christmas, as do we all to everybody listening to this podcast. It's a great time of the year, uh, getting together with family and friends, celebrating Christmas or other uh, holidays, or just the holidays in general if you're, if you're not doing Christmas yourself, uh, and the New Year's just around the corner. So uh, it's all uh, happening, all coming to a, to a close at uh, the end of December. It's flying by incredibly quickly. In fact, it's so fast we have to. We're, we're releasing this podcast about a week early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to try to get in the middle of Christmas and New Year and uh, try to get together for a podcast. It's not what it's all about. Uh, and I'm guessing a lot of people probably won't be online much or you know downloading podcasts and that. So we thought, we'd, as we usually do, get it a week early, get it before Christmas, get it out there. And that allows you and I and everybody else to, to enjoy the festive season and uh, wrap up the, the 2015 in style. Awesome. Well, obviously, there's nothing to talk about this month. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember that uh... <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to be, uh, oh, well, look, who, who are we kidding? Is uh, There's a lot to get through. Um, I just hope everybody didn't tune out when I said thanks everybody for listening and like turn it <laughs> off thinking it was over. You know, not at all. I'm sure they they're still uh, listening, just just holding their breath, waiting to see hear what you're going to say next. Hopefully, they know my humor by now. <laughs> I keep talking about Smallville season twelve. You know? Yeah, exactly. Still don't know what happened to eleven, but anyway. Uh, those comics wasn't it comics oh, season 11 right. so then we go back to tv for comics so. uh, yeah for number 12 very good all right let's get into the movie topics and there's been a fair bit about batman v superman this past month we got a, a first up um we had heard that there was going to be something with gotham and a season finale of of gotham on tv and that ended up being a sneak peek from batman v superman dawn of justice a uh, couple-minute clip of uh, what we now know to be a nightmare sequence or a dream sequence that Ben Affleck's character, Bruce Wayne, Batman, whichever one, uh, is having during the film about what would happen if Superman did go rogue or did decide to become like a regime Superman, if you like, that we've seen in some of the comic books. Yeah, I, uh, you know, when I watched it, I actually 
I announced myself to the room that I was with that it had to be a dream sequence. And everyone said, I don't know how you know that. I don't know why you think that. I think Superman is just pissed off. He doesn't know what to do with Batman, so he has him hung. And I said, well, if that is what it is, then they really don't understand Superman at all. And we've already got a lot of fans thinking that they don't. We've already got a lot of complaints. So, you know, when I see it, I figure it has to be that. Otherwise, they really do. And I'm still not sure that they understand Superman, but would they uh, would they really have such a misunderstanding of him that he would be a guy with a regime like that and soldiers with S's mm. on their shoulders mm. and attacking people and then hanging them upside down or whatever it was? And that being said, I'm still not that thrilled with most of the promo shots we get of Superman in both the trailer and in the new posters we're going to talk about later on. He just looks disgusted. He looks dark. He looks angry, which, sure, Superman can get angry, but in that in that uh, little sneak peek video with Gotham, he just looked like he was looking down at a piece of garbage and just, you know, just seemed very disgusted. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very dark and gritty uh, sequence, and uh, I am glad to know that it is a, a dream sequence or a nightmare sequence. And how do we know that? Well, we've had uh, action figures come out with Batman in that particular garb, uh, titled Nightmare Batman. Uh, we've had uh, Michael Wilkinson, the uh, costume designer, uh, referring to it as a dream sequence or a nightmare sequence, so we know that that's the case. Uh, not really spoiler material too much. I think it's probably more of a relief to a lot of Superman fans to know that information than not. Uh, but as you say, yeah, the, the, I guess a lot of the footage, a lot of the posters, a lot of the merchandise, a lot of the... Um, advertising for this movie, being that it's a Batman versus Superman, is all about you know confrontation, and so having a smiling Superman would probably uh, go against the the promotional material that they're trying to uh, put out for this film. It just probably wouldn't go in sync with the message they're trying to deliver. But yeah, I get where you're coming from. You know, there's always a lot of uh, red heat vision eyes and angry looks and smirks and grimaces and all these kinds of things happening with all the characters even wonder woman is looking very pretty dour in a lot of the the shots that she's uh been shown in so i uh, yeah i understand where you're coming from with that and uh soon after that sneak peek video came out uh pretty much a couple of days later we got the new trailer for batman v superman dawn of justice it goes about three minutes long and showed a lot of new footage and made a big revelation about a, a particular uh, well, creature, if you like, that will be showing up in the film. Yeah, well, as we know, based on the dark and negative looks we were just talking about and the way everybody looks kind of angry and dour, from crazy fanboys, we already know that the entire movie's been ruined by this trailer and none of us ever have to see it because yep. there's nothing left to be discovered. Exactly. Um, I think what you're referring to is... The possibility that it sure seems like Doomsday appeared. Uh, uh, spoiler alert uh, at the uh, at the end of the trailer, and 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 for my money, I thought it was cool to see. Mm. Yeah, and uh, we, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about Doomsday being showing up, and and still people aren't sold on whether or not it's actually Doomsday or they're going to call it uh, Doomsaro or something something along those lines. Because <laughs> it look from what we see in the trailer, what we can tell from what's happening it appears as though lex luthor gets zod's body after the battle that was seen in man of steel 
and using his technology and the armor and the whatever else comes up with a well creates a creature which appears to be doomsday from um the dna of zod i mean whether that you can you, you uh conclude to be that to be a, a bizarro type creature or whether that's just doomsday a different version whatever the case may be it sure looks like doomsday there never even complaints. If it is Doomsday, then his spikes aren't long enough. He doesn't have the bony protrusions. He doesn't have all the different things that Doomsday is supposed to have. And there's always complaints. But seriously, like, how jazzed were you to see Doomsday show up in the trailer? Well, first I have to correct you, Steve. You said a lot of uh, looks like, appears to be, <laughs> seems like it could be. No, no, no. We know everything based mm. on this oh, sorry, trailer. There's sorry. nothing else to be discovered. Mm-hmm. Everything's been revealed. It's definite. It is, not it might be or it could be. Everything that you said, all you have to do is change your adjectives or whatever they are, <laughs> adverbs, whatever it is, and say uh, everything is definitive. All the answers are given. We know the entire plot. There's nothing left to be discovered because that's what the crazy fanboys have told us. So let's just stick with that. Um, listen, I am one of the people who uh, um, is unsure uh, whether it's Doomsday or not. Uh, and I have a couple of reasons for that. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm right, obviously, because I'm not the king of all geeks who knows everything and sits on high judging everybody down below. Uh, But it would be a very, very, very different interpretation of Doomsday if this, in fact, was Doomsday. Doesn't mean it can't be. Uh, This could be their way of realistically, uh, in a fantasy movie, realistically introducing him to this movie universe instead of trying to explain that he came from Krypton and that he was built and that he's a death machine and that he improves as he goes on and that he was made to not be able to be beaten and it was so bad that they had to send him out into space and then he crash landed on Earth and then it's just a lot of backstory that mm-hmm. would then have to be uh, explained. It's almost like a whole movie to uh, tell about where Doomsday came from, which is why maybe fans are a little disappointed that we didn't get a Death of Superman movie or a Death of Superman trilogy so that we could explore this type of stuff rather than maybe trying to use this Doomsday type of uh, creature in this movie as a one-off or who knows where it's going to go from there. But uh, obviously Doomsday wasn't created in a lab by Lex Luthor. He has nothing to do with uh, whether Smallville will tell you that he does or not. He has nothing to do with Zod. Uh, He has nothing to do with Superman's DNA. He was not created by someone um, on Earth and he's not an earthly bound created creature. Now again, since we don't really know how it happened, it does certainly appear that it's Lex Luthor creating whatever this creature is uh but perhaps we'll find out more than what it seems like a lot of times in trailers they cut them in such a way so that certain things look a certain way Mm -hmm. but then when you see the movie you find out it's something different um so uh I thought the scene was really funny and cool. Not funny uh, inherently, but at the end when he, when Wonder Woman shows up and then they say, uh, is she with you? I thought she was with you. Uh, and then the music gets all dramatic again after this little comedic interlude. And I thought it was uh, kind of cute. And then, of course, we have all the fans saying, well, looks like Superman's destroying more of Metropolis. Uh, we don't even know that they're in Metropolis at that mm. moment. Uh, when when uh, when the explosion goes awry and destroys lots of buildings or whatever, uh, again blaming Superman for a battle that couldn't possibly be helped. Yeah, and like you say, we don't know what the trailer shows as far as the full content of the movie. There was a fake story out there saying that the Doomsday wasn't the uh, the big bad of the movie. That there's something further to come, and we now know that that interview uh, is a fake interview, never happened. 
But um, we do know that what we see in the trailer, and uh, there's a lot of talk about the way Lex Luthor is played, and um, just like for me, the way Clark Kent is the public persona that he's trying to put out there, so you know that's his secret identity. Same with Bruce Wayne, that's the persona that he's putting out there to distract people from the Batman identity. Then I think that's also Lex Luthor's public persona. He's that goofy, you know, kind of overly over the top type of character to kind of make people not think that he's this dastardly criminal villain behind the scenes who's really, you know, got a very serious dark bent to him. That is a possibility. Although, uh, if we look at the Ron Troop interview that we had, um, mm. I forget where that where that appeared, but we have him interviewing Lex Luthor in such a way that it's written as if Lex Luthor, of course, is a real person, and this is a real interview. And even though it is promotion for the movie, as you read it, it really feels like you're talking to a business genius and listening mm-hmm. to Ron Troop, an excellent reporter having a an interview and i love the interview the only problem is when i try to read it in eisenberg's voice hmm. i feel like it doesn't fit um the, the 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 way lex speaks is written beautifully it reminds me very much of the animated lex or of comic book lex but not at all of the lex that i saw in the trailer and if what you're saying is true that it's a persona then wouldn't he continue that persona in an interview and therefore be kind of goofy as opposed mm-hmm. to extremely serious almost politically like, like ron troop says to him you're you seem to be running for political office he seems very serious in the interview but not at all serious at any point in any of the promotional um, the actual live action materials we've seen yeah good point uh, as you mentioned that interview was on Wired.com, the website, uh, published an interview that appeared to say, come from Ron Troop, a Daily Planet reporter, uh, seriously interviewing Lex Luthor as a particular, you know, real-life character. And it was very well done and uh, very interesting to see a lot of the promotional material for Batman v Superman when it comes to Lex Luthor is done as if he is a real person. And, and you know, we've had the uh, the stuff where he, uh, Lex Corp's been um, giving the Wi-Fi access at certain um, comic conventions. We've got this upcoming Lex OS uh, release, supposedly, of uh, software coming out. Uh, it's all been targeted towards us as if Lex is a real person, and um, you know, is it, and LexCorp is a real company that's actually out there. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I'm, 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 I, I, I've heard people complain. We know he's not a real person. It's a movie. Blah blah blah. Uh, not fans, but like people actually writing articles about how stupid it is, and I I don't understand where that's. I guess if you don't like it, you don't like it. But I like the idea that it's kind of they're trying to penetrate our subconscious with the idea that this could be a real person in this in this fantastical universe. Hmm, exactly. And the trailer is available to watch in IMAX 3D with uh, certain. Um, uh, well, it's, I know that it's been with Star Wars. Um, the Force Awakens, uh, but uh, it is um, connected also with Ron Howard's new film, In the Heart of the Sea, which stars Chris Hemsworth. Uh, so IMAX 3D screenings of that film, you can also see the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice trailer in IMAX 3D. Of course, parts of Batman v Superman were shot in IMAX 3D with IMAX 3D cameras. Uh, there's a new Star Wars movie? I've heard. I haven't seen it yet myself. Uh, oh. By the time this is released online, this podcast, I will have seen it. But, um, yeah, I haven't, uh, yeah, as yet, as of this recording, seen the film. I'm guessing you have? I have seen the film, and I did see the 
3D Batman v Superman trailer, though not on IMAX. Okay. I've seen the movie twice now, and the first time they did not show the Batman v Superman trailer, and I was very disappointed. Even though I have already seen it, I remember the days when, and and it's kind of silly to get excited about trailers, because trailers uh, were created to run uh, before a film. Uh, They put them after a, a film so that you would get an advertisement for what film was coming up next for the movie company. They were trying to make more money by showing you a commercial. Uh, and then they realized that no one was sticking around for the end, so they started putting them at the beginning. And now we get almost as excited about a trailer being released as we do about the movie itself. Uh, but I was very excited uh, to see it and it didn't play. And I-, I used to love when you didn't know when mm, trailers were yeah, going to come. Yeah. You went to the movie and you actually saw it for the first time, yeah. obviously. We can never go back there again. So I've already seen the Batman v Superman trailer multiple times. So why was I disappointed that I didn't get to see it? Well, I wanted to see it on the big screen. I didn't see it in 3D the first time. So uh, the fact that it didn't run didn't matter as much. The Mm -hmm. second time I uh, saw it, it was in 3D. And I did get the uh, Batman v Superman trailer. Now, the weird thing about it is uh, the 3D was very unobtrusive. Uh, It was uh, was there. Mm -hmm. And it kind of added some depth to the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea that you have 3D that kind of adds to without being a gimmick, without oh, I agree, uh, you know, touching your nose, yes. and, you know, stuff like that. Um, so the movie itself, Star Wars, it, it made it a more immersive experience. But the the trailer, same way, it did add the depth to it, but it wasn't overbearing. Yeah, which I think and is from really what good. I've heard. The new cameras and things and the way they do it doesn't take away from the brightness of the screen. It doesn't get dim. It doesn't necessarily strain your eyes as much. Mm -hmm. So that kind of stuff getting better is very cool. Uh, And the other interesting thing about the trailer is it was cut in many different places. Mm. And there were different shots and different um, looks at scenes that were not in the trailer as it was released online or wherever you saw it initially. So some, some things were missing. Um, the whole thing about uh, I take umbrage with people dressed as clowns in my city wasn't even in it. Um, some other things were missing. Um, how Batman covers his face and says, oh, shh, and you know he's mm. going to say a bad word there, but it gets cut in the thing. Wasn't even in the movie version. Okay. He just says, oh, and it cuts away. So I guess because it's more of a child-friendly franchise, Star Wars, or at least it's considered to be, they cut some of those things out, but it was a shorter trailer as far as I could tell, and, and some things were changed and left out altogether. Yeah, I've heard that too. I believe the part at the beginning where Clark uh, talks to the photographer about who's that when Bruce Wayne drives up at, to that fundraiser is not in some versions of the trailer showed, shown in the, in the theatre as well. So, uh, it wasn't in the one I saw. Yeah, so different cuts out there. And, t- and talking about a different, uh, different footage, different promos, uh, there is a new German one that's uh, just recently been released online uh, that uh, shows slightly different footage as well. We see you know, new uh, angle of Superman coming in. Uh, we see a new uh, image of Bruce Wayne. Uh, so there are different cuts out there and some showing different footage. Uh, nothing too groundbreaking, but still they are out there and cool to watch. Now, in the German footage, does Clark say to Bruce, how do you feel about this deflator mouse running around in Gotham? <laughs> uh, my German isn't that good, so I couldn't translate that for you. Uh, okay. <laughs> now, talking about uh, Germany, uh, the, the German Sinistar movie website 
uh, as uh, he's taking advanced bookings for tickets to see Batman v Superman when it opens in March next year. But the more interesting thing for us as fans outside of Germany is the fact that they list the running time for the film as being 151 minutes. Now, for those who want to break it down, that's two hours and 31 minutes. So just over two and a half hours. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if, at least in America, they cut some of that out because there seems to be some sort of a running time issue. And they don't like movies to even go over two hours. So to get up there around 2.30 seems like a hard sell for... Uh, movie companies in America. I hope it stays. I, I hope it's, I told you, three weekends long. But um, <laughs> uh, that's long. Yeah. No, it's good. And I think it's about 15 minutes longer than Man of Steel or 20 minutes longer than Man of Steel. So uh, that's... Uh, well, there's a lot more ground to cover. A lot yeah. more characters, a lot characters, more villains, a exactly. lot more heroes, everything. Yeah. And, of course, in this Michael Wilkinson interview, which I wonder if when he releases this interview... If people yell at him afterwards, I know you said that on the toys, it said that it was a dream sequence. But again, we hear in that interview that the Batman desert scene and Superman regime scene is is a, a dream sequence. And and since people were talking about it and people were angry that Superman was acting that way and people were saying Batman wouldn't be frightened. And I don't know about you, but uh, but Bruce looked scared to death in that scene when <laughs> Superman and, and who wouldn't be? I mean, it's kind of silly to to uh, say well i'm i wouldn't be afraid of it if you're in that situation and this super powerful alien being comes down and clearly has you at his whim you should be afraid hmm. and it also makes more sense to me that it's a dream sequence because the whole idea of batman's drive to uh, to get rid of superman at least right now is that he's afraid of what might happen if he's allowed to go unchecked so the idea that he's afraid in his nightmare, and I guess he's going to wake up and, and with greater resolve to stop the Superman, uh, makes sense to me. But uh, should Michael Wilkinson have revealed that, or are we all already aware that it's on all the toys and it's something that's already been revealed anyway? And uh, should he really reveal that the Flash is seen in the movie? And that you know, we've heard rumors, but nothing, as far as I know, nothing has been substantiated until now. Yeah, I I guess um, he probably does get a bit of a slap on the wrist, maybe. I mean, he was in the, uh, uh, it was in, uh, I think it was in France at the time, or in Brazil, actually, for the Comic-Con experience 2015, and the uh, Brazilian website Omelette grabbed him for an interview, and with the Nightmare Batman thing, I think they kind of tricked him into a bit of a question there when they they asked him, what about Nightmare Batman? It's a different uniform for Batman that we're seeing, so they kind of already put that in there, so he... Probably doesn't cat like he probably doesn't sit online and 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 you know see what is exactly out there, what has been officially released, or what we do know about, or what you know people are speculating about. So when someone comes up to him and says, "Oh yeah, the Nightmare Batman," what can you tell us about that? He assumes, I guess, that well, that's that's common knowledge. So he goes on and talk about it. Um, that it is an interesting approach that you know some interviewers can take to um, you know kind of uh, not trick them, but um, I guess. You know, put him into a false sense of security that oh, we already know about this. What what can you tell about it? You know, tell us a little bit more about the costume itself because he is the costume designer, and so without really knowing, he's kind of let on that yes, it is a nightmare sequence, and um, and he goes on to talk about it a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't know whether or not he's allowed to, or whether or not people are out, you know, pulling their hair out when they're reading this online, going, "What are you doing? You're letting out the the cat out of the bag." I I, I don't know. As for the Flash. Um, We'd heard that the cat, the the, uh, the 
the part had been cast. We know who the actor is. Uh, we assume that, you know, we know the Aquaman and uh, Wonder Woman and Cyborg and they're all appearing in this movie. We just don't know in what capacity. Um, but, for you know, I guess he's excited to talk about the, the costume that Ezra Miller will be wearing and uh, as the costume designer he probably wants to talk about what I did and it's going to be Barry Allen and, you know, and all this kind of other stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess he probably does get into a bit of strife uh, from the creators and the makers or whatever, the producers and the, the company itself saying, listen, you've got to kind of pull back a little bit and not reveal so much. Well, I heard that there were rumors about these other characters, but I didn't know that we knew for certain that they were all going to appear, uh, other than Aquaman, whom we've been clearly told and shown pictures of. Uh, I guess they're going to have very small cameos, which is good, and we've already got a two-hour-and-a-half movie. I'm not sure how we could have much story involving many more characters uh, if we were to see them in greater capacity than just being... uh, you know, just showing up yeah. there. But it seems like these uh, interviewers, based on what you've been saying, have the dastardly manipulative trickery <laughs> uh, plans that Lex Luthor has uh, trying to get information out of people that, that maybe they don't even realize wasn't out yet. No, I don't know uh, what their thought process is, but uh, they're, uh, they're pretty good interviewers. And Omelette's a very well-known website, so uh, well done to them for getting that kind of scoop information. And uh, we... As you mentioned earlier, there are posters out there about uh, of of the characters showing Superman in a very kind of angry pose. Uh, three posters were released, and some of them are already out in the movie theaters. Uh, I've seen people, you know, when they're going to see Star Wars, uh, taking photos of the three character posters. There's one for Batman, one for Superman, and one for Wonder Woman, and each one has their character logo uh, symbol in red in front, uh, front and center, with the date of the movie's release, uh, front and centre. And um, the I think the Superman one, out of all of them, looks the best. Uh, it, Henry Cavill even seems to have a bit of the uh, the hair curl going on there too. Well, that's very interesting that you say that. Uh, it, they do seem to be given a little homage to the hair curl. Obviously, they're not using it in the movie. Uh, we see him with his quote-unquote receding hairline um, in several shots in the trailer and in several shots uh, in other promotional materials. And in this shot, of course, uh, the top of his head's kind of cut off, so you can't really see that receding hairline. But you do get to see uh, a very unkempt uh, possible spit curl that's down, but only probably because of the rain and the wind during the battle with Batman, I assume, is where that fight is taken, where that shot is taken from. Uh, He does look good. I I do, when you look at his face, uh, for me, it does kind of look like he smells something. (laughs) Uh, and uh, someone mentioned to me that he has all these other super senses so he probably can smell a dog's droppings from across the world so what a terrible power to actually have out of all his great powers to also have super smelling and we see here in this shot that uh, he can in fact smell something pretty detestable (laughs) well just like his uh, x-ray vision i don't imagine that it's just he uses it all the time or that it just happens to to creep up on him so i'm guessing the same thing with his uh, super smell that you just don't automatically have it turned on all the time uh you would need to uh you know kind of put it into into focus i guess just like with his heat vision or telescopic vision or any of those other powers seems to be used in this uh <laughs> in his poster image yeah and uh, i disagree with you i think both batman and wonder woman look better than superman in okay. the posters because uh, we know that Batman's a bastard. We know that no one uh, that he's not very likable. We know that he's cynical. We know that he's angry. We know that he's negative, and we know that he's paranoid. 
Uh, he looks like uh, Batman would look. Uh, of course, he's in the metallic armor, so you can't really see all those emotions on his face. But we know that he's prepared to try and have a battle with an otherworldly alien. Wonder Woman, to me, looks majestic and warrior-like and ready for battle, but also very inspirational. Superman, on the other hand, uh, aside from the joking about his super smell, uh, just looks disgusted, angry, uh, and unlike Superman to me. Okay, I Not like... that Henry Cavill doesn't look like Superman, and I love the costume. I think it looks great, and I think he embodies the perfect vision of Superman, as I have said many, many times. I just don't love the look of it. I don't love whatever look it is he has on his face. Um, and I don't love the, the uh, always make him look angry thing. And again, I know the uh, plot that we're in here, and I know it's not save a cat from a tree and, 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 and we drop a joke time, but uh, uh, it doesn't scream Superman to me, the poster. Yeah, fair enough. I like the fact that he's looking straight down the camera where the other two are looking to the left. Uh, not and not. Uh, I just like that uh, that focus. That is kind of dynamic. I get that. Yep. Yeah. Now, like that talking about other promotional material that is out there for Batman v Superman, or is coming for this upcoming movie, there's a lot of tie-in material, merchandise, um, books, breakfast cereals. We're getting um, General Mills are coming out with a Batman cereal and a Superman cereal, and they're really going all out with this. I saw this promotional kit with a bowl and a mask and a spoon and everything that Jeff Johns posted on Twitter uh, with uh, a whole spiel about, you know, which one do you like, which side are you on. Um, there's, they've got hashtags that you can, um, you know, t- to show your side. Or if you want to take both sides, you can use the superhero serial hashtag. There's Batman serial or Superman serial. Uh, the Superman one is a caramel crunch serial, while the Batman one is a chocolate strawberry serial. And uh, it's uh, pretty interesting that this kind of stuff's out there. I don't think breakfast cereals have been a long association with Superman, but it's usually Kellogg's. Uh, yeah, well, you know, now now that you've revealed your true self, Steve, I see that you've also uh, drunk the Bat Kool-Aid. And uh, you mentioned Batman first as DC and all the promotional materials <laughs> and all the creators and even Zack Snyder and everybody else talks about Batman first. He always comes first. He's the star. He's the big guy. He's the one that's selling this movie. And you yourself mentioned Batman cereal before you mentioned Superman cereal. And my heart just broke right in half. Um, uh, I do think it's cool that they have these uh, cereals, uh, and I do think it's uncool that when I saw the, the post that you're talking about that Jeff Johns released and asked people to like if you're in favor of one and, and share if you're in favor of the other, had Batman at more than three, four, five, six times uh, chosen over the Superman. Um, is that because of the flavor of the cereal? I don't think so. I think it's because uh, we see once again that Batman is so much more popular, uh, which leaves our beleaguered Superman in a state of underdog status, which could be good for the movie, if they play it up right to try and win some other fans over, not to say that they're going to become traitors and no longer like Batman, but maybe they'll have a greater understanding and like both of these heroes more equally after the film. Did you think it was weird that Batman's cereal is chocolate strawberry? Yeah, I, I don't understand that flavor. That's like putting, um, I don't know, it's like two two opposite flavors together. I, that That's a bizarre one for me. Well, people do dip strawberries in chocolate. They have yeah. chocolate-covered yeah, strawberries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just the strawberry just didn't seem like, oh, the dark night. Let's have some strawberry <laughs> uh, cereal. It just seemed kind of odd to me. I agree. I don't think it's a, it's a, a good fit. But uh, Kellogg's are also coming out with their own 
uh, snacks. They're assorted fruit-flavoured snacks. And, um, gee, snacks have changed from when I was a kid. These contain 100% of your daily value of vitamin C. They're fat-free, gluten-free, sodium-free. I just hope they're not taste-free. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you get these diety, more healthy things, and they are kind of taste-free. But uh, all that sounds pretty positive, though, if they really are uh, all of those things. And mm. there isn't, you know, obviously they're not going to advertise what's bad about them. But <laughs> hopefully there aren't too many bad things about them. That's that sounds, right. They're for kids. Good. Yeah. Uh, so the Superman ones, are, they're well, the shield um, oh, sorry, talking about back to the, the General Mills cereal. The Superman ones obviously have the C- Superman cereal with shield-shaped, Superman shield-shaped bites, where the Batman ones are like bat-shaped bites. So uh, very creative there. And um, other stuff that's coming out for the movie, uh, there are action figures. Mattel has shown, we've seen a, a whole series of different action figures. Hot Toys, uh, Hot Toys collectibles coming out with some really great... Um, what are they, one twelfth, one sixth in, uh, scale figures uh, looking very impressive and uh, one sixth scale figures. So um, lots of different material out there, books, um, activity pads, activity coloring, coloring books, all different types of things, as you would expect for a movie of this size. Yeah, I was surprised when I was looking for Christmas toys for some of my uh, young boy versions of children i uh, was looking in the stores and i didn't see any of these yet so i'm not sure when they're released but there's no toys for batman v superman and that seems a little like a missed opportunity to me um i remember several years ago i guess even before the bat trilogy from nolan there was a whole aisle devoted to batman now that still made me sad that there were no superman toys but the idea that i i can even find nary a batman or superman figure there's an aisle that has half of like marvel guys and then some star wars stuff and transformers but it seems like uh it's not as easy to find superheroes and uh, really difficult to find any batman or superman yeah, well, all these figures and all these things that I've mentioned come out in, like, February, March, so they're coming out to tie in with the release of the movie. And I guess with Star Wars being the hot property at the moment, it's uh, probably a, a massive battle to get any of your items in on shelves at this time of uh, the promotion for Star Wars. And so uh, it's probably best for the movie that, that the merchandise and that ties into the release of the film as it's coming out, as it's being promoted heavily, rather than you know beforehand where it's all going to be Star Wars and they're probably going to lose uh, you know any sales um, competition with uh, with that movie. Well, the only problem with that is now they'll get no sales, and in February everyone's hurting from Christmas, <laughs> and no kids are looking to have toys, and parents aren't going to go, well, let me buy you all the Superman and Batman stuff now after I just spent $9,000 on you for Christmas. Uh, so it's a terrible time for a release of uh, toys. Obviously, they're trying to tie it in with the movie. I get that, but I think some sales at Christmas time would beat out any sales they're going to get in February. Yeah, and I guess the movie sales, the merchandise, and that will be in stores well after March, you know, March... Uh, April, May, June, so you know the movie will still be out in cinemas for a while, and then it'll get to the DVD stage, and uh, so it'll still be out there, and I guess throughout the year we'll see a lot of that merchandise still available in stores. But yeah, you're right, I guess Christmas would be the ideal time, it just the release of the movie just doesn't tie in well with that uh, particular season. 
It seems like Michael Wilkinson also forgot when the movie was being released. Right at the beginning of the interview, he says, uh, it's not only a great summer blockbuster, it's this, 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 whatever he says later, but we're nowhere near the summer, and nor is the movie have any shot of reaching summer. So, uh, <laughs> an interesting choice of words. We're dead in the middle of winter. Well, maybe he's talking about Australia, because he's Australian, and so the movie will be out here in, well, I guess what we say, January, February, yeah, uh, that'll still be uh, late. It'll probably be actually more like the beginning of autumn here. But, uh, yeah. See, I'm right, even though I didn't know I was right talking about <laughs> Australia. So there you go, because we're dead, in this, dead right in the middle of summer here at the moment. So uh, he's probably thinking of that from an Australian point of view. Oh, well, that's possible. There Although it'll be autumn, you said. Yeah, so. but anyway, let's move on to talk about other films that are coming out. And there's only other one other animated film that I know of that will be released uh, in the next few months. And that is the another Lego DC comic superheroes animated film called Justice League Cosmic Clash. And uh, in this one, Brainiac is trying to add Earth to his miniaturized collection of planets. And the Justice League obviously need to stop him. And that'll be released on March 1st on Blu-ray Combo Pack, DVD and Digital HD. Mm. Well, these I find almost unwatchable from an adult standpoint. Now, maybe if you're watching them with kids, uh, if if uh, if you have that opportunity, it could be fun because it's like a family thing and you're watching it with the kids and it's not too deep and it's kind of silly and everybody acts goofy. I was watching uh, something the other day and I turned it off and the kids network happened to be on because one of the kids was probably watching it earlier in the last uh, Justice League movie, Lego um, uh, I don't know, Attack of the Legion of Doom or something along those lines was on. And as I was watching it, I just realized how silly it was. And I don't even know what the explanation is. But if you watch one of these movies, you could totally see how Batman and Superman could have a throwdown in the street and how it would be equal. Because Superman's in the pilot's chair of, uh, you know, a plane of some kind. They're in space. And uh, Sinestro comes along and opens up a, a portal that he wants to, them to be sucked into, and he's laughing as it happens. And, and Superman and everybody else in the ship are like, oh, no, we're getting pulled into the thing. But he just sits there. I don't know if he had no powers, or but it's almost like, no, 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 I have to pilot this ship that's being pulled into the thing, <laughs> and I have no way to do anything about Sinestro. And, of course, Green Lantern goes out and tries to do something, and, you know, Sinestro's a Green Lantern villain, so I'm sure that's what they wanted to do. It just looked rather... Uh, almost like a helpless group of people sitting in the, the, the plane and only Green Lantern was able to do... Well, you know, Green Lantern was the guy who had powers where, as everyone else, had nothing. And I don't know where I was in the story. Maybe everyone lost their powers. Yeah. But uh, And, of course, Mark Hamill was the voice of Sinestro, which I found weird because I know he's uh, super famous with fans for, for being the Joker. And I said, I recognize that guy's voice. And then when he, <laughs> then when he laughed, I said, oh, it's Mark Hamill because... Uh, it's pretty much the same guy, you know, when he was yeah, the trickster the from Flash this yes. season too. Same exact thing. So uh, uh, they're they're very kiddy, they're very silly, and I think it's great because if 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 anything, the DC guys need to be built back up in children's minds because it's all Marvel all the time these days. Yeah, no, I agree. They are very kiddy, and um, you know, it's uh, I guess not very adult watchable. I sat down and watched the recent Bizarro one. And enjoyed it, but um, it, as you say, they're definitely um, aimed at kids and younger audiences, and I think that's a great thing because too much of what we see these days is 
aimed at the adult and the old, the more mature audience. And we do need the, the super friends type of thing that the kids can sit down and watch and enjoy and um, and get involved with these characters. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I'm glad that they're doing something like that, you know, even if it doesn't necessarily represent who these heroes really are in terms of what they can do. And uh, one problem I really had with, uh, like, the last, the, the actual Lego movie where the superheroes appeared in it, uh, and, of course, Batman was the star there again, uh, is that Superman was really played as the doofus. Like, he had no, absolutely no intelligence whatsoever. I don't know if that's continued in the actual superhero Lego stories, um, no, but that just really. that perpetuates the stereotype that Superman is just a dumb brawler and has no mind and can't think of anything. And I get that Batman's supposed to be the smartest thing on two legs, but uh, every time I think about it, I go, "How can the, he even be the greatest detective in the DCU?" Because, uh, as we said before, Superman has super smelling, super hearing, super sight. He should be able to see a, a, a microscopic piece of hair that it would take Batman all his instruments and everything else to find that would lead them right to whatever the problem was they were trying to solve. And Batman would go, oh, that's what it seems like to be. But. Yeah, no, in the Bizarro one, Superman's front and center and one of the main characters and uh, and he's portrayed in a pretty good light. So uh, it's it's good to see that he gets some love in this particular animated movie. Good. Good times. Let's move on to TV where Supergirl has had a number of new episodes uh, in this month that we're talking about uh the first one first new one that uh, we haven't spoken about since our last podcast was the sixth episode of the season titled red faced uh all about red tornado mm, yes and a very goofy looking red tornado he was yeah i uh i like this episode other than the, the look of red tornado i liked supergirl dealing with her anger and i liked all that kind of stuff that was dealt with the uh the the plots of the of the 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 episode and the way that it tied in with everything else going on in her life and um i thought uh, it was well played out and um moved a lot of the character development forward i like the episode as well i love the show i i feel like uh, you know if my favorite show because of its depth and and characterization and writing is walking dead this show is my most emotional favorite show because here's what it has that things like Man of Steel didn't have. And I think maybe that's why people had some problems. It has so much heart. It has so much emotion. It has so much... I tear up in almost every episode because of the way they they they, they, they play your heartstrings in such a way that it's very inspiring. Uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, but then it's also uplifting. Um, of course, we get some of the Lois and Clark stuff where she's trying to live a superhero life, but at the cost of her own romantic life or her own social life or doing the right thing. Like when she brings, uh, Lucy and Jimmy back together, even though she was told by her sister never to do that. Cause that would get her into the friend zone. And I know these aren't things that are in this specific episode, but, this is what I love about this show. It just really captures the spirit of the super family, uh, whereas Man of Steel and movies, uh, just like Star Trek or whatever, on television, so much better, so much more time, so so more able to show us what these characters are about as opposed to giving you a wham-bang 
summer blockbuster in March, as Michael Wilkinson would say. Um, so I just love it for those reasons. Um, Howard Stern is a fan of superheroes, and he watches all of these, and I listen to Stern, and he kind of doesn't like Supergirl, but he keeps watching it anyway. <laughs> he talks about the effects belong on CW. It's goofy. Uh, he talks about uh, she gets her butt beaten by a robot in this episode, which I think is is slightly untrue. Uh, because the whole plot of the thing is that she beats Red Tornado pretty handily, which causes him to go into red alert mode and run off uh, in, a, in a defensive capability. And what he does is uses the city and the people against her, hmm. but isn't really able to beat her on his own. I don't. He knocks her down a few times, but it's not a matter of him winning. I don't think there was any point where I felt like he could actually beat her. Hmm. Uh, I guess near the end it got a little close there, but uh, and then of course we have the solar flare introduced, which I found uh, even if we don't love it in the comics, and and then that store whole thing has gotten all kinds of convoluted. But I like that they're kind of paying homage to that and having it uh, here in, in this show. Yeah, and the the emotion and the. Uh... The uh, just the, the the acting from Melissa Benoist in that particular sequence where she's really going uh, hell for leather on that heat vision to to defeat Red Tornado was really well played out, and I like the fact that it went from the end of that episode tied straight into the next episode, which was titled um, Human for a Day, Episode Seven, and is obviously the fact that Kara is now without her powers because of that solar flare, as you mentioned, which. Um, sees her for about 24 hours or so uh, human, if you like, because she doesn't have her powers, so she's susceptible to injury, and she does cut herself at the end of that previous episode on a piece of glass in Kat's office, and um, it's very interesting that uh, it played into all the, the undertone stories of the, you know, the subplot, if you like, about uh, being human, being you know, susceptible to things, and um, the, the, just the relationship between her and Cat and the growth in Cat's character has been a real surprise for me. Well, this is another one where uh, I felt I, I got teary. Mm-hmm. I felt very inspired. Uh, I, I got very, very. I felt all the heart in. And again, it's 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 a it's a tedious line to walk. It's a tenuous line. Very difficult because you it can sometimes seem a lot. Uh, you know, Smallville went way off the deep end with the whole idea that uh, you hate being superpowered, you hate having your powers, you hate your destiny, you're all filled with angst, whereas Supergirl doesn't do that. She no. does sometimes say, I'll never have a regular life and that kind of thing, which would probably be a natural feeling that you would have, while at the same time she relishes in being Supergirl. She smiles all the time. She's super happy about flying around and and saving people and helping people, and I love that she doesn't give up. I love that she says, I can't just stand here, you know, when the place is going to be robbed and there's a gun involved and Jimmy doesn't want her to go because she can be hurt by bullets and she goes anyway. Uh, I love it. And and they say human for a day, but in the episode they mentioned that it's already been two days. So now we get another full day. So she actually was powerless for three days, uh, which is okay. And of course the uh, solar flare was quite a bit different than what we saw Superman do yeah. in the comics where mm. it destroys two miles or something like that and is a huge explosion. She was able to focus it right at Red Tornado. Uh, I had a question about the Red Tornado episode, if you noticed or not. At one point, at the very beginning, she takes his arm off. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> at the very beginning, she takes his arm off and Alex takes it to Maxwell Lord uh, to, to, to look for his help. 
And then, but the very next time we see the red tornado, and he hasn't been back to the lab, and he hasn't been repaired, and he hasn't had anything done to him, uh, he has his arm back. It's not even mentioned at any point that he can regrow limbs or mm. or that he carries around extra arms with him or anything. But he has his arm the rest of the episode, and there was a big point about it. wasn't like it wasn't really part of the show. There was a huge thing about her carrying the arm around and taking it to different places to try and figure out what it was, and yet he has an arm the next time we see him. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he is able to regenerate, and they just kind of glossed over that. But uh, it didn't uh, pull me out of the episode. I didn't even think about it until you just mentioned it. Hmm. Uh, and then, of course, we have Inhuman for a Day, uh, probably the most dun, dun, anticipated, dun. you know, awesome kind of really great moment. Uh, and I hate to take away from Supergirl because this is her show, as she always says. This is my story, yells at people. Uh, we had, of course... Uh, the true identity of Hank Henshaw, where he says, I am John Jones. And it's a, it's a very just great moment. And I even saw people complaining about this moment. Oh, well, it's all CGI, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I had absolutely no issue at all. And I've been complaining about the whole thing where, uh, because I was spoiled on it before I saw it, because I was two weeks behind. And again, if you're going to be two weeks behind on something, you know, and not get around to seeing it pretty close to when it releases, you're pretty much risking being spoiled and you can't really whine and complain about it. Uh, this goes back to that whole King of the Geeks thing that I <laughs> had a discussion with earlier. Uh, get around to seeing it. See it close to opening. See it when it comes out. I haven't. I've been busy. Uh, I try to watch it with my kids. It's uh, like pulling teeth to get them to sit down, even though they seem to enjoy it when they finally do. Uh, so a lot of times I'm just like, you know what? I don't even want to argue with them right now and try to watch this, so I'm just going to watch something else. Um, I could watch it alone, uh, but I do like the idea of trying to keep them watching it. Uh, so I didn't get to see it. And the very next day, it wasn't like a week. You know, people were saying, you got to wait a week before you could talk about anything. Uh, I wouldn't go on and purposely spoil anything. I would never put anything on my Facebook or on my Twitter or say something to someone that I knew hadn't seen something. Like, you told me you didn't see Star Wars. I'm not about to tell you that Han Solo's a smuggler in it, uh, you know, um, uh, which he's always been, obviously. Uh, I'm not about to tell you that, that things that happened, you know, in the movie. I would never do that. So all I'm saying is you have to take some responsibility for possibly being spoiled if you wait days and weeks to see something that exactly. people are going to talk about. And the very next day, I saw a picture of Martian Manhunter. And, of course, Michael Bailey and others had been talking about it for weeks, saying that more and more they're thinking that Hank Henshaw is really Martian Manhunter. And I was a little miffed because uh, I remember back when it was announced that they were looking to cast Hank Henshaw, I was excited that maybe if I sent out a Twitter, uh, I would possibly get considered. I knew it would never happen. <laughs> but my age range is about right for what they were looking for. Turns out I'm not black so i wouldn't have been cast anyway but um it was supposed to be hank henshaw so we kind of got sold a bill of goods and now it's not uh it turns out it's not really that they told us he was one guy and he isn't it's it's not hank henshaw it's not at all you know i was saying well hank henshaw was never a martian manhunter so uh, how are they going to do that and of course i know that he's a shapeshifter and i know that he could have taken over uh the sad thing of course about this is Unless it's in flashbacks, it's been pretty much confirmed that the Dean Kane character, uh, Jeremiah Danvers, is dead, which is unfortunate. Yeah, unless uh, Hank Henshaw and, and uh, the real Hank Henshaw and Jeremiah Danvers um, went missing and then uh, their bodies were never found and presumed dead. And that's how this Hank Henshaw was able to, or you know, the Martian Manhunter was able to take over 
Hank's life and continue on. But um, it, it would appear that way, but you, you wouldn't think that they would get somebody of uh, Dean Cain's calibre just to have flashbacks every now and then. Although we don't know how often we'll get to see Helen Slater other than that one episode that she was, uh, a, a, you know, a, a guest star in. So uh, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But uh, a big revelation there for that character. Um, David Harewood was, has been, you know, speaking about how that he only knew after the second episode of the series, so he wasn't really sure in the pilot how to play Hank Henshaw and uh, it's helped him, his character development knowing behind the scenes, uh, you know, what was happening with his character. So it's... Uh, all very good, and uh, while we will probably get, a, you know, a bit of Martian Manhunter backstory and some focus on him moving forward, uh, hopefully it doesn't take too much away from Kara's own story and her involvement uh, moving forward. And she doesn't yet know, uh, as of this recording, that of Hank Henshaw's um, development. I think that whole Dean Kane thing plays back into the idea that this really is a show where... They don't really care that much, although Jimmy's a bit of an exception uh, of showing strong men. It's really about the womanly influences in Kara's life mm. uh, with Kat, with her mother, uh, now with her aunt, which seems to have a little bit of a twist involved. Hopefully they don't destroy Allura as uh, World of New Krypton did. I hated the what they did to her family you know, they, and Smallville, too. They were never supposed to be bad guys. So, I, I mean, I really hope that they don't go that route But because uh, uh, obviously that puts a taint on the family of L mm. and, and uh, all of the great honor and, and great leadership and, and great heroics that come from that family normally uh, just isn't necessary, I don't think. Just as much as I don't think it's necessary to always kill Pa Kent or the Kents in, 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 uh, to double together. Uh, but uh, So I think that it was good to have him there, and I hope he comes back. But I also do think that they really do concentrate on showing uh, strong female figures. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was uh, their way of getting rid of another possible strong male figure. Mm, interesting. Now, the eighth episode of season one was Hostile Takeover and saw the return, as you mentioned, of her aunt Astra and uh, a bit of a backstory there between Kara and her aunt and uh, Laura and uh, and everything that's, uh, that Astra is trying to do or what we... We hear about what she's trying to do. It's kind of difficult to know what her real motivations are. She seems to want to try to save Earth, but we don't know what from. Um, and uh, we found out that her husband is non. And uh, so that's an interesting twist to that character as well. Did she say it was her husband? I know that they were talking. I just thought it was somebody in her group. I yeah, didn't know. It's definitely her husband. Something. Oh. OK, uh, yeah. uh, I am watching it with two little girls. So uh, there are times when they're talking to me or when they're distracting me. So I don't always hear everything. But I certainly uh, did not know that it was her husband because he doesn't talk to her like he's her husband. He actually kind of threatens her, says he's going to kill her if she doesn't, uh, uh, you know, uh, do what he wants her to do. And if he doesn't kill her, if she dies, he's definitely going to kill uh, her niece, which she obviously doesn't want to have happen, at least at this moment. Uh, but we do get another interesting uh, homage in this one, and that is the uh, the battle in the sky past the buildings in uh, yes. National City, which is very, very reminiscent of uh, the one in Man of Steel where Superman is punching Zod through the city. Hmm. And a uh, very interesting, uh, I guess, dynamic there, the fact that they showed Kara saving people from 
the buildings being destroyed where was that a direct you know um punch in the face if you like to man of steel i thought of that when it happened but on the other hand i'm not i I don't think that that was necessarily the case because Mm -hmm. um as we find out at the end astro was losing on purpose so it made it easier for Kara to take a moment Yes. And do that, yes. whereas Zod was not letting up, and there was no time for Superman to do anything but what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, whereas uh, Kara had uh, time where she could go and do that, and then she was easily straddling the woman at the end. She just let her drag her in there, and there's no reason that – in fact, she wasn't unconscious. So uh, for her to be able to <laughs> drag her right in, she just laid there. <laughs> and we, as we say, we find out later that she she lost on purpose, on purpose. Yeah. and uh I, I found it crazy that all these kryptonians and other aliens i don't even know where they all came from i guess they all just came together they've been hiding for 20 years and now they're out uh but you know just swarmed uh, lord uh lord's uh you know headquarters yeah they're all in there and this is a crazy amount of superpowered beings and of course uh <laughs> it's a little odd once you find out that uh, hank henshaw is really john jones that he doesn't do anything he just goes in with guns like a regular person and doesn't actually at one point he does something but he never he never uses his powers to actually help the situation he just kind of keeps playing the human well i guess he has to because his secret isn't out there it's only him and alex who know well yes but he could just disappear down a hallway and then be invisible as we know a martian manhunter can attack people uh, from invisibility and he can go through walls and things like that and and so he'd be able to help in such a dire situation uh, mm. as opposed to just standing there in the hallway and trying to take shots at people that are never going to hurt them yeah i guess now that we know that his secrets out there it makes it harder for us to swallow him not taking more direct action but uh, well i feel that way about superman as well yeah uh, if he's there i don't know what he's doing but the other thing that got me in this one and you mentioned it in the last one that that cat grant's development has surprised you because she seemed like that one note kind of over the top goofy boss that makes no sense that she's even in the position she's in based on how she treats people but i this was called hostile takeover and the reason for that was that people were trying to take over her company out from under her by releasing these files and and emails and things uh, stuff that's going on in the real world which is interesting but uh i found myself uh tearing up at the victory at the end when Mm. she pulled the guy into the office and 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 uh, sent him packing um i found it very exciting i found it very uh fist pumping even though i haven't really even liked the cat grant character but you're correct and uh she's kind of won me over the way it's been written now here's the problem and my sister said this when i was showing it to her she said who is this guy when she was talking about hank henshaw and now we know that he's martian manhunter but what she was referring to was kind of his wooden acting and i've heard a lot of people say that the acting on the show is real bad and that's why they don't watch it anymore I think from most of the characters, it's really good, but it's easy to say with Cat Grant or with Hank Henshaw that they're bad actors because they're directed to be the way they are. Cat is directed to be way over the top and this crazy character. And I think as we were talking about Lex Luthor having a face of a goof because he doesn't want people to know how dastardly he is, mm-hmm. I think that it's Cat Grant's way of hiding a facade, uh, the yeah. feels that she has underneath. And, of course, Hank Henshaw is a Martian and doesn't act or speak like a human. So Mm. it's a very deliberate way of speaking that doesn't seem very emotional and that doesn't seem very human actually plays into 
who he really is. But if you're a person that only watched one or two and said, I can't take this, you might be turned off to the fact that it seems like they're written badly. Mm, Well, they wouldn't. But it takes eight or nine episodes to actually get to why it might make sense that they are acting in that manner. Yeah. So once you see that, you go, oh, okay, well, that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I am starting to, you know, as we see some of the death with her mother and with her other son and with the stuff she's had to deal with, uh, starting to see her as a more rounded character, whereas uh, people were saying that and I kept saying, I haven't seen it yet, mm. uh, but but I see it now and it's uh, that one really got me. So, uh, And I loved, 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 loved that she has a son named Adam because I said before, why couldn't her son be named Adam in the episode where uh, Kara uh, had to take care of her, uh, her son? Uh, I said, it just doesn't make any... I know they're not going to do the whole uh, murder of her son storyline and all that, but would it really hurt to have her son be named Adam? Uh, and so it turns out she does have a son named Adam, so I'm there happy. You go. There you go. Now, the next new episode, which uh, won't be until January 4th as they're on a two-week break, for a mid-season uh, Christmas, New Year break, is called Blood Bonds. And the description for this, which confirms as what I was saying to you a little bit earlier, with Astra in captivity at the DEO, her husband, Non, captures Hank, leading to a tense standoff between the two sides. Also, Kara continues to refute Kat's allegations that she's Supergirl. And I guess that was the other big revelation at the end of the um, uh, hostile takeover episode was the fact that Kat came out and said that she thought that Kara was Supergirl and that they were one of the same. And now we know that it's going to be an ongoing story where Kara is trying to refute that allegation and try to convince Kat that she's not Supergirl. Oh, do we know that? I, I didn't get to see the preview because my DVR cuts off always in the middle. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's all we know. It says Kara continues to refute Kat's allegations oh, okay. that she is Supergirl. So, uh, and I guess, and just... You know, I don't know anything, and this is just me speculating looking forward. With the Martian Manhunter able to um, shapeshift, that may be to help Supergirl in that uh, predicament that he might be next to her, um, you know, Kara and Supergirl side by side. You're a genius. Yes. Uh, Write it in now. At the end of the episode, it seemed to me that they were both resigned to the fact that Kat knew and that was it. And maybe Mm. she is, but maybe... If she ever finds out about Martian Manhunter, she'll be able to use that, as you say. Um, so, yeah, that's a good idea. Mm, we'll wait and see if that happens. So that's Blood Bonds, January 4th, the next new episode of Supergirl. Uh, we look forward to that. Now, a bit of casting news around Supergirl before, before we move into uh, some talking about some comic book stuff. Was uh, Italia Ricci is, has been cast in the role of Silver Banshee, which is a very interesting one. Uh, Silver Banshee was written into the Supergirl comics in the New 52 as being one of Kara's friends. Uh, so uh, also as a, you know, not a nemesis, but a problem there. So uh, Silver Banshee coming up in an upcoming episode. Uh, Christopher Shalman, who some people might recognize from George of the Jungle 2, uh, will play the Kryptonian character known as Tor. And we also know one of the executive producers, let loose that Bizarro is coming in an upcoming episode. Now, we don't know if that's Bizarro, the Superman Bizarro, or a Supergirl version of Bizarro. Excellent. I like hearing all these things. Silver Banshee's always been kind of cool, and, and she's been very uh, uh, 
she's been used more in the Supergirl comics as of late, so it's nice to see that they're uh, actually taking some of Supergirl's supporting cast as opposed to them all being uh, from the Superman stories. You know, all the villains have been, uh, and uh, all of the you know Jimmy Olsen and Cat Grant. They've all they were all Superman characters and never really had that much of a closeness and weren't really featured in Supergirl books. So it's nice to see maybe some of the characters that were. Uh, not Bizarro, of course, but uh, Silver Banshee. Mm. Now, something that is still Supergirl-related, but com- in comic book form, is the fact that DC Comics will be doing a digital-first Supergirl comic book that will tie in to the Supergirl TV series. It will be the stories between the episodes, if you like. Now, it will be written by Sterling Gates, and it will be drawn by a various number of different artists who will be coming in as... Uh, guest artist for different uh, chapters and the title of the comic book series will be called Adventures of Supergirl. Now, this will only be a digital first series. Unlike other digital first comic book titles, it will not be collected in comic book printed format on a monthly basis. They will instead uh, come out with a trade paperback in August of the entire collection later next year so if you do want to keep up with the Supergirl comic book uh, then you'll need to get it digitally it will be 13 chapters and it will come out bi-weekly and be released on Mondays to tie in with the the TV show of course and uh, we're looking for that to start early next year so looking forward to the Adventures of Supergirl digital comic book I was so happy to hear this. Uh, I am a little concerned about the show because the ratings have gone down a bit. It is picked up for a full season, so that's great. Uh, this, of course, is meant to be a, uh, a limited series, mm-hmm. so it could end the same time as the show is canceled. But I hope that that's not the case, um, and I hope we get a season two and beyond. Uh, let's see how it goes. Yeah, January 25th is the first digital chapter of Adventures of Supergirl. Looking forward to that, and we will be reviewing that here on the Superman homepage. So now we jump into the main Superman comic book titles, and we go, we'll go. we start with Superman Wonder Woman number 23, which was, uh, I think, the oldest issue that we haven't spoken about yet, as in it's the earliest one that's come out. And in this one, we see Superman and Wonder Woman using Parasite uh, as a way to find this underground lair, uh, which belongs to, I think his name's Angelo. He's the son of, um, of Vandal Savage. Yeah, I uh, remember that there's this whole thing going on with Vandal Savage and that there's crossovers between the books, but that mm-hmm. we really don't have any way of figuring out which ones come first or, or how the, you know, the it seems like the order is all screwed up. Um, and I don't even I, maybe I skipped the last Superman Wonder Woman. I, I don't even remember them being involved with Parasite. But here on the very first page, we're thrust right into them kind of uh, torturing him and telling him that he's going to do what they say or they're going to beat him further. Yeah, the, if I recall correctly, they uh, Parasite was being transported uh, by truck, I think it was, and from you know one jail to another as they do with these villains. And Wonder Woman and Superman. Uh, basically ripped open the truck and stole Parasite from uh, the transfer so to, to use him for their own needs, which I think we discussed last podcast. Was, I seem, seem to be very uh, at odds with what these characters are supposed to be. They're supposed to be heroes. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, here they are using <laughs> the Parasite uh, as almost like a bloodhound to hunt down 
the 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 lair because all these villain all these heroes and other characters of super with superpowers are being held in this lair and obviously parasite is somehow able to um you know like a like a bloodhound be able to sniff it out and 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 see that there's a power source there for him a uh, a meal ticket, if you like, that uh, he can uh, zone in on. Yeah, I'm. I, you know, if the story wasn't Wonder Woman and Superman, it might kind of be an interesting story. Mm. And the art is really good, as it always is on this title. Uh, but it is very against type, against who they're supposed to be. Although, if you listen to many fans, and and I've been trying to be open and saying, you know, just because he's without his powers or just because he's without his red trunks or just because he and Lois are together doesn't mean it's not Superman, but I'm not really sure how forgiving I can continue to be Mm. when it seems the writers don't really have uh, the interest of the characters in in mind when they're writing it in terms of uh, threats and I'll chop your arm off and I'll, I'll chop your head off and I'll kill you where you stand and you know just very violent and um, obviously they have him where they want him he's helpless but both of them keep hit, beating on him torturing him threatening him and I guess he's a terrible person and he's done terrible things so maybe he deserves to be treated that way but normally a superman certainly Superman and I know Wonder Woman is tends to be more violent and warrior like but definitely Superman would not be relishing in wanting to scare someone and hurt someone yeah I agree with you he seems yeah I mean he still should be the same character person at core the same values the same you know morals ethics whatever you want to call them just because he doesn't have his powers uh, I understand that there's this darkness going through him or that there's this other problems that he's having internally but it just seems at odds with what the character that has been written even in the new 52 and all that kind of stuff uh just because he doesn't have his powers or doesn't have his costume doesn't mean that he changes his uh, value set and uh he seems to have done that in these stories and there may be an underlying factor to it as i said there's the darkness and that going on with wrath in other comic books and whether or not that's all tying in i don't know but it does seem at odds with the character that we've known and, and loved for so long I agree. All right. And at the end of this issue, we see Wonder Woman captured and, and ensconced in some kind of uh, battle armor or robotic thing. We don't know what that is, but it's obviously a threat. And uh, we will wait until number 24 to see what uh, how that continues. And uh, interesting to see that the solicitations, which we will talk about uh, a bit after our these comic books, uh, you know, we'll see a development in what's happening with Superman and... Uh, Maybe there is some light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. All right. So um, I guess we move on to Superman number 46, which I am super happy that uh, we're done with Junior Junior is what it seems like to me. And we see a much improved art and something that I don't bleed from the eyes while reading. (laughs) Yeah, in this, uh, it's right. John Romita Jr. is only doing the covers for the comic books uh, at the moment. Uh, The internal artwork is done by Howard Porter. Uh, But in uh, Superman number 46, we see Condessa and Jimmy uh, hunting down Superman or trying to find him in any way. They're not really hunting him down, but they're they're, they're on his trail trying to find out his story, trying to find out what's happened to him. Uh, But Superman's happy doing this wrestling, cage fighting, whatever it is that he's doing in the House of the 1000 or whatever it's called. Uh, he's, in, he's involved in this tournament. He's made friends. He's uh, pals with all the other wrestlers. Uh, some kind of convoluted thing about 
if their stories are told, these gods that they're mimicking uh, will remain and be able to continue and be reborn. And I didn't really catch on to the whole gist of it. It seemed, like I said, just kind of all this stuff happening, which I'm not sure how it ties in with what's going on. But nevertheless, we get to this Sand Superman, which is, I guess, a, a throwback to a classic story of a bygone era uh, where it's obviously the powers that have been siphoned off of Superman are uh, being used by this sand creature version. And uh, Jimmy is looks like he's mortally wounded or killed. Yeah, it was uh, definitely not... He doesn't look good. But no. uh, I don't think... I don't. It seems odd that that would be it and that he'd just be dead there. Um, but I don't... I'm not really sure. I, I guess... If you look at it as uh, the heat vision can be kind of a cauterizing uh, force, maybe, uh, and you see it go into him and out the other side, maybe it just goes through mm. and doesn't hit anything vital. And obviously he's weakened because he, uh, from the shock of the of it actually happening, but uh, it's possible that the heat from it just seared everything shut and, and he's not even uh, bleeding internally or anything like that. Who knows? But uh, I, I would certainly be odd if that was the end of Jimmy Olsen right there uh, in kind of a um, really non uh, almost Tasha Yar type way from, from uh, Star Trek, the next generation where it's just a quick death. that means nothing. It's meaningless. And it has no, uh, now it does, I guess have ramifications with Hodor root who then uh, plays Superman, this video kind of goading him into doing something because he made a promise that if he, if Hodor hurt any Hodor, that's funny, uh, hurt anybody that, uh, he was close with that that he would come after him and and hurt him two twofold or tenfold or whatever. Mm, but as I say, this story just doesn't really resonate with me. Uh, Superman as a title has been one that I've tried to enjoy, but uh, either with the artwork or with the writing, it just hasn't hit all the right notes. Um, I'm not sh- sure to what to make of this wrestling Superman. He's enjoying the the accolades that he's getting from the crowd, and to, you know Jimmy finds him and says, oh, pal, you know, finally, we finally tracked you down. And Superman like says to him, look, just go away. I, you know, I'm happy where I am. I don't want to go back, you know, just leave me alone kind of thing. I just, uh, again, at odds, the character, I just don't, it just doesn't seem to be the character that we've grown to, to be reading about all this time. Well, I, on one hand, and I'm certainly not enjoying this, so don't get the wrong idea, but on, on one hand, uh, I could see where, a guy with so many responsibilities on himself, a guy who takes his job so seriously and a guy who f- for for risk of hurting someone or, or destroying uh, parts of a city as in Man of Steel uh, needs to be so careful with everything he does. But now he's at a point where he has very little of his powers left. Uh, much of the world is very negative and critical toward him. He's been strummed out of his apartment, uh, fired out of his job. His entire life has been uprooted. I don't believe that they've done a good job really covering all of this and what it really means. It seems to me they're more interested in getting into the next action in each episode Mm -hmm. of all of these books. It just seems like it's mostly about uh, let's show him fighting some more stuff. Let's show him with with the tarp wrapped around his hands. Let's show him being a brawler. Just over and over again, kind of pounding on the same point that He's tough now. He's rough and tumble now. He beats people down now, uh, where so many terrible things have kind of happened that I could certainly see him uh, seeking something much lighter and saying, look at this. I'm being adored here. 
I can stay here. I have nowhere else to go. I don't have a home anymore. I don't have my job anymore. I don't have my powers anymore. For all intents and purposes, I'm not the Superman anymore. So I could see him saying, this really is fun. There's no pressure on me here. It's all set up. The person who loses each fight is supposed to lose. It's not like real life when I'm out there and I have to worry about every little thing I do. Now I can just be here and unleash whatever I have, which is much less than what I had before. So I can certainly see it from the point of view that mm. it could it could be appealing to him after everything that he's been his whole life and now what has happened to him up to this point. I just don't think they've done a good job of showing that. I think moreover it's about just showing him beating up people in every episode or getting to the next action scene. And then at at the very least, the last one page, we have a connection back to the original story where uh, we see something happen to Jimmy and then Hoda Root uh, saying, you know, uh, why don't you come after me like you promised? So, yeah, I I get what you're saying. And I'm not, as I say, I'm not enjoying the story. I don't feel like it's being handled particularly well. Well, you've just your whole explanation there about how or why he might be doing what he's doing actually resonated more with me than what I read in that comic book. So, <laughs> um, uh, you know, if that was the, their intention, and they, as you say, it's not written well because I didn't get that from what he's saying in the comic book, but from what you're saying, that, that sounds plausible, and I would go along with that. But uh, as I said, the, the writing doesn't really give me that sense, but um, right. you, you could be... There are a few lines money. in there. A couple of times he mentions things like about the people hating him and he just doesn't care what they think anymore. But it's not – it's it's more like a flippant attitude as mm. opposed to covered like, well, I'm very hurt and I have nowhere else to turn and, and here I can be what I am and that's it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we move now on to Action Comics number 47. And this uh, in this one we see Superman battling Frankenstein – who is obviously under the uh, control of the of wrath and, and the darkness and the shadows and whatever all that is. But uh, Superman uses and absorbs the, this darkness, this shadow stuff, and um, ends up beating wrath at her own game uh, by consuming it all. Yeah, I you know the, out of the stories, I think for the for the regular Superman titles. Mm-hmm. I think this is the one where he probably acts the most supermanly. Mm. Uh, he's willing to uh, take on all the darkness in order to save everyone. He's willing to risk the possibility that uh, possibly with all of it affecting him, he himself might not be able to come back, but he knows that he needs to do it in order to help the people. He does it and he succeeds. It's still not great. Um, there's not a lot in the book, but uh, that one kind of, sense that he's making a possible sacrifice to save everyone else at least felt like something Superman would do. And this does tie in a little bit to the other titles because we do see Vandal Savage turn up with his little golden box, which he's then able to, um, uh, I guess, bring all the wrath, all this darkness back into, and it's obviously torn off of Wrath herself. It's torn off of Superman and um, is, is it vanishes. It's disappeared. So, um, so you know the the this darkness is, is gone. And I'm guessing this now will tie in with Vandal Savage's story in the other titles, especially Batman Superman, with Vandal Savage coming, you know, walking into the shadows, saying that he's the only one who's going to be able to save the world now. 
Yeah, it's another situation where I really behoove them to go back to the in-order stories, and, and I guess it's hard with different writing groups on different books, but uh, this one seems to be a part of a cohesive narrative, whereas the other two are somewhere else in time that might have something to do with it. As you said, with the uh, Superman Wonder Woman, maybe he's feeling the darkness from the Wrath storyline, but we don't know. We don't. No, it's not said. We don't. I don't know where we're at. So, um, yeah. I mean, I wish that they would be more. If they're going to be connected, be connected. And if they're not, and if that's easier, then just tell your own story in each book, as opposed to trying to connect them in different kind of disjointed manners. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so this one does kind of connect back with. Uh, Batman Superman number 27 and where we see uh, finally Gordon uh, you know decides that he's going to give Clark a chance even after all that he supposedly knows he has done and stood for and and everything that he's accomplished even in this short mission with Gordon as the Batman in the bat robot suit yeah and uh, this one I didn't mind too much mainly because we've got a lot of bit of these flashbacks of the two characters of the of the the relationship that Superman and Batman have had in the past and how Superman's kind of, I guess, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, he's looking back with some kind of fondness at the relationship that he and Batman and the trust that he and Batman, being Bruce Wayne Batman, had. And uh, there's some kind of, you know, uh, look back at the trust they had. They knew that, you know, when Jimmy was in trouble but Superman had to save the greater good, he knew that Batman had his back and would save Jimmy even though there was no communication for that to happen. Uh, so just that inherent understanding of each other and, and, and that trust that they've had as two superheroes uh, in previous times uh, when Superman had his full powers and when Bruce Wayne was Batman, he's kind of looking back at that with some regret that that's kind of gone but um you know looking back at it and and so there's a lot of flashbacks in this with batman and superman in their costumes with their full powers or you know in the their their i guess um their peak their prime and looking back at, at that relationship and then trying now with this new team of superman without his powers uh with gordon being the batman in his bat robot suit and the other Bat Family characters being involved, of how they're going to try to form that kind of trust and that kind of bond to be able to get together and beat Vandal Savage at his own game. And in that way, I guess the story was, it was good because it talked to that bond that the characters are supposed to have and the trust they're supposed to have. Well, this is a scene, the one you're talking about uh, with Jimmy and, and the flashback with Batman uh, saving him. Uh, Superman was unsure and didn't think Batman had the time to save him, didn't think he was close enough, and, and expresses that when he comes back and uh, expresses his disappointment that he had to choose not to save Jimmy. And, of course, uh, it's made clear to him by Batman that he had no choice and that Batman himself would have done the same thing and he would have uh, he would have known that Superman, if he could, would also have covered him um, on the ground the same way as Batman uh, saves Jimmy here. Uh, but uh, what's great about that scene, and I'm going to show my emotional core again, is I found myself teary and I found myself uh, very happy with seeing, uh, just talking about it now, I'm getting a little choked up, uh, seeing that relationship as opposed to Batman v Superman, let's beat each other to a pulp because mm. we hate each other. Um, friends, uh, comrades, people who work together to get things done, even if sometimes they come at things from a different angle. And uh, the story ends better than it started in terms of where Gordon is at, but the way Gordon's been in this, 
I half expect him in the next episode to start making quips about how Clark's no good and how he can't trust him and how it's not Superman that he knows because it just seems like it's the same issue every time. Mm. So that's where we're at with the main Superman titles. Uh, there are a couple of annuals coming out that will maybe uh, help clarify the bond between all the different titles. We'll wait and see how those particular titles and annuals uh, mesh up. Uh, but let's talk about some of the other titles that are really taking the Superman world by storm and a lot of fans are uh, you know, latching onto these as opposed to some of the fans who have turned away from the main titles. And that's, uh, first off, Superman Lois and Clark, number two. And in this one, we see that, um, you know, Superman or Clark Kent's, you know, still going behind the scenes, doing what he needs to do to, you know, tr try to save the world and do the best that he can, you know, staying um, beyond the scope of uh, this world to, to for them to know that he's here and doing what he's doing. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, Lois is seeing, uh, you know, taking care of John and um, these government men, I'm guessing they're government men, um, well, Lois, Lois says that they were intergang, and Superman says ah, that he, intergang. Okay. He, he believes that they are. That's right. Uh, so there are inter these intergang folks, uh, guys, men in black, uh, come searching uh, after Lois and, and John and, um, you know, corner them, run them off the road, and yeah. uh, it's uh, Superman to the rescue once again. Come the MIBs. Huh. <laughs> Become the MIB. Oh, I'm sorry. You got it. Uh, you got that song in my head now. But uh, yeah, I enjoy this story. I mean, listen, I know a lot of fans are this is the real Superman, uh, which is weird because a lot of people say it's not the real Superman simply because he's not wearing the trunks. At least that's the impression that I get. They don't come out and say that. But it seems like from the moment they decided to remove the trunks, everybody kind of decided this isn't the real Superman. And here we are back with Superman, Lois and Clark on Earth 2 or whatever Earth they're on. And Superman's not wearing any uniform, but somehow this is the real Superman, the other guy's not. Here's the thing, and we discussed this with the other comics, they're not written well now in the New 52. There's a lot of issues going on. It doesn't seem like they understand the character. It seems like the writers really want to make him this tough guy brawler um, who likes to torture people in some cases. Or, or So if it, when people are complaining about that, I totally get it and I totally agree. Uh, here, this is kind of like an Elseworlds tale. Um, Lois and Superman did not have a child in any regular continuity. This this came about after the fact. It was a it was an afterthought that that came about when they when they uh, when they tore the whole universe down. What if this happened? Uh, if if their storyline continued when we ended the continuity and started again? So okay, being that that that's what it is, it's interesting to see them, but. But uh, but they are retired in terms of being the real Superman or the real Lois. Uh, they're out in California somewhere. They're hiding in a cabin. Neither one of them is really doing what they've always done. They're kind of doing things behind the scenes, although Lois is almost rendered completely useless in the story other than the fact that she hangs out with John. Uh, and, uh, and it's not – it's an interesting alternate take. Uh, but it's not really Superman and Lois. They're not being Superman and Lois uh, the way we always have known Superman and Lois. Um, it's weird, too, because when the car comes out of nowhere and kind of rams them off the road, Lois yells at John, look out, as if he's driving or he's the one that has <laughs> control of the uh, story. But, uh, yeah, so that's the way I feel about yeah, it. Yeah, I guess uh, we know that this is what is supposed to be the pre-crisis, oh, sorry, post-crisis Lois and Clark. Uh and the solicitations bear that out because we'll talk about that 
uh, in a minute about uh, the fact that uh, you know this Superman will come in contact with the new 52 current Superman. So um, that is interesting, and uh, I guess because it's supposed to be the post-crisis Superman uh, that you know from the Burn era that a lot of people are going. Well, that's the Superman that I like, so that's the real Superman. So that, I guess that's where that comes from. Even though, as you say in this story, he's not wearing the Superman costume, he's not calling himself Superman, and he's doing things kind of behind the scenes, um, you know. But uh, it's still a lot of people, you know, wanting to believe that this is the Superman they grew up with, and hopefully that he will take over uh, once things come to light. Well, we'll see about that. Um, I, I... I am finding myself more increasingly hoping that the new 52, at least the Superman version, I don't read any of the others. Maybe everyone's loving everything else, but um, I gave it all this time, and there have been good stories, and I still think it's the same guy a lot of times, but as we discussed before, it, it just seems like they've really lost track of who this person is, so mm. I find myself hoping we go back to a guy that would, would have been more like this version of Superman before he became a guy who's kind of hiding in, in cowardice. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know if it's cowardice, but it's uh, it's hiding because of, there's already a Superman in place and it's not his world, so he doesn't feel like it's his place to just come out in the open and, and take over as the as Superman. But uh, I guess we'll get... Yeah, Lois is hiding that. too. Yeah, well, Lois is writing a book uh, and obviously if, uh, there is a Lois Lane on this earth as well, so it's she can't come out and be the lowest lane from the Daily Planet that is already in existence. Right, right, right. <laughs> I guess there could be two Supermen. Um, I don't see... I, I just don't... I've never really pictured Superman as a guy who would say, well, um, I'm just going to stay at home and, and occasionally go out and save Chicago because there's already a Superman. Because the Superman here would be doing the same thing. So if you're worried about running into him or you're worried about uh, being seen as a different Superman when there's already a Superman, then that can happen anyway if you're out there doing things. It almost seems better to me and, and more like what Superman would do uh, to come out and kind of be a mentor and, and to say, okay, well, we've we've had situations where there have been multiple versions of other heroes at the same time on one Earth, so why not? have it happen here again mm. i think they kind of covered that a little bit in the first issue where he was about to when there was that whole uh, dark side war and and he realized that the heroes you know things got were taken under control and he realized here that the heroes are a bit darker and grittier than uh on his in you know in his world and um so decided to you know sit back and wait and see but uh yeah i can get see where you're coming from um and then the other title that i was talking about uh, is Superman American Alien. The second issue is out, written by uh, Max Landis. And in this particular issue, which is a, it's a darker issue than the first one, um, we've got Clark as a young teenager. Uh, he's hanging out with, uh, with, uh, with Lana, you know, their study buddies. Um, I think it's Lana, yes, it is Lana at the beginning. And Pete Ross comes, turns, turns up to take him for a ride, drop him home. And then we find out about this other guy, Owen, this guy who used to be in Smallville, who's come back with a couple of cronies uh, to torment the people who, you know, his family, the, I guess his old boss, uh, people who he didn't like, uh, who didn't treat him well. And he's just killing people. He's going around on a, on a shooting spree. And Clark and Pete find out about it. 
Uh, Pete's trying to tell Clark that he should be doing something about it. I think even the, the sheriff seems to know about Clark's powers or his abilities and kind of says, you know, is there anything that you want to tell me? And Clark kind of shies off from it because he doesn't feel like he's ready or it's his place to do something. And uh, it's a very bloody and, and violent end to this comic and uh, and Clark's very mixed up and confused about what he's supposed to do and Martha's, you know, uh, it, it's all obviously the very first time that something like this has happened that he's had to, something violent and, and, and necessary has come into play that Clark's had to try to do something and is not sure whether, whether he should or whether he shouldn't. You know, this is not a kid who's been a superhero and been given a manual about what to do and it's about a guy who's, a kid who's very confused about his place in the world and isn't exactly sure whether or not he's how to help people if he's or if he's supposed to help people. Well, to quote Pa Ken and Man of Steel, uh, maybe. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe he should, maybe he shouldn't. Uh, I, what I like about this, and I, I'm not... I'm not completely sold on the American alien thing. I don't feel like that much happened in the first issue. And I feel like it was a lot of angst and look who I am and look who I have to be and look who I have to hide, how I have to hide myself and that kind of thing. Um, so uh, some of what we've already seen before and had 10 years of on Smallville on TV. And now in issue two, we see a very different kind of, as you say, much darker, much bloodier, much more terrible conclusion type of a thing. Uh, but we also were left with some some uh, things at the end of last issue that hinted that uh, Jonathan and Martha's life was much darker than what we've normally been shown. Mm. Although on Smallville, they, they had a pretty dark past. And some pretty terrible things happened to them in their lives. But um, what's good about this, and Max Landis has said this, that each issue is going to be completely different from the issue before. Yeah. It's not a continuing storyline, and you're going to get a different feel and a different area of Clark's life with each issue. So I think so far with only two down, we've definitely seen two very different issues uh, go in two very different directions. Mm -hmm. And uh, we get the final page in this one as well that gives us some questions, and it's uh, a, a doomsday page, I guess, is the best way to explain it, with uh, doomsday having some feelings of his own, some inner thoughts, uh, which is a bit weird. Mm. Well, we have seen doomsday... In other, in other interpretations, I guess, after his first appearance when they tried to bring him back and they wanted to kind of add to his character and mm. make him a little more than just the, the brute who goes around destroying things, they have shown him he has spoken in, in mm -hmm. different stories and he has had some other intelligence and things like that. So I guess we're seeing a little more of that here. Yeah, something different. So uh, looking forward to see what happens next in issue number three of Superman American Alien. Now, as I mentioned, uh, we did get the solicitations for comic books coming out in March next year, and uh, there are a few uh, interesting uh, revelations from those solicitations, and I guess the biggest one uh, is the fact that a lot of these, well, let's go through a few things. Number 50 is uh, a lot of the titles are reaching their 50th issue, which is uh, a, a pretty good milestone, and it seems that they're using that uh, that number 50 milestone to uh, bring everything to a head in the Superman books. We're getting the conclusion of the, the Savage Dawn, the, the, the Vandal Savage story in Action Comics number 50. In Superman number 50, we have uh, Superman returning in, uh, in all his glory and a special issue that sees him back to full power as he faces his greatest enemy and also comes face to face with the pre-Flashpoint Kal-El. It's the, the, the meeting of the Superman you've been waiting for, it says. 
Mm, that sounds exciting. <laughs> so uh, it's good to see that the uh, that you know Vandal Savage story is coming to an end. Uh, Superman number twenty seven uh, uh, is um, part of that story. It goes into Action Comics number fifty, and I'm guessing the Superman Batman Superman story also uh, is part of that. And so uh, that's number thirty issue of Batman Superman, and uh, all concludes in Action Comics number fifty. Before then, we move into uh, the Superman number 50 issue that I just mentioned. Awesome. Exciting. So a lot to look forward to coming up in March next year with those uh, anniversary issues and the conclusion of the Vandal Savage story. All right. uh, Before we move into the big question segment of our show, uh, we are at the end of 2015. Uh, This is our last podcast for this calendar year. Uh, looking back, has there been a particular highlight for 2015 for you, Scotty? Well, it's uh, it's kind of unfortunate, I guess, because it didn't come until near the end of 2015. But I gotta say, and it's not actually Superman, but Supergirl, mm-hmm. who is the highlight of my uh, 2015. I I love the show. I think it's fantastic. I really hope we get a second season and beyond. I think Melissa Benoist is great. I think, as I said earlier, there's a lot of heart in this show. There's a lot of emotion in this show. Uh, they're they're really uh, they're developing the characters and they're and they're doing a great job. Obviously, Berlanti, Berlanti has been successful with the other shows. I uh, and and I'm biased a little bit, but I feel I feel the most connected to this one, and I feel like this is the best of the three. Yeah, well, I would agree that for me, Supergirl has been the highlight for 2015 as far as me being a fan of the of the Superman family of characters. Uh, it's uh, been a joy to watch. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, looking at the comic books, I can't say that that's. I think that's probably been a low light for me. I don't, uh, while I'm still reading them and enjoying them to a set to a degree, it hasn't been um, of the standard that I'd, I'd hoped for. So the comic books haven't really uh, been a highlight for me. Um, in the the movie side of things, we're waiting for Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice next year. It has been fun following all those kind of tidbits and seeing the trailers and the sneak peeks and the merchandise coming out for that. But uh, really, it's been Supergirl on TV that's been the you know the given me the most joy this year. Now we assume that in 2016, we hope we can say that Batman v Superman. Yes was a highlight uh, and hopefully continuing with Supergirl being a highlight uh, next year as well and maybe we'll have two that we can look forward to interestingly enough you say that you're enjoying the comics to some degree whereas for me I'm only reading them to do this podcast (laughs) (laughs) very good and I think uh, Michael Bailey's been the same Uh, he's only been reading some of the comic books because he has to review them for the site Mm. so uh, it's a shame that that's uh, how what it's come to but uh, it's honesty for you and uh, it's uh, I think it's uh, a note to the creators at DC Comics that some of us fans are just reading them because at this point we feel like we have to and not because we're enjoying them so uh, let's hope that 2016 can be a different turn of events for the comic books. I hope so. I know they're trying to uh, reboost Superman's popularity, and if anything, I think they might be doing it a disservice and yeah. hurting it yeah. uh, more than they are helping, trying to make him tougher or darker. Or I guess that's the hero people want in this world nowadays. But uh, it still doesn't really work for Superman, and I think even have even people who aren't heavy fans of the character kind of know that. Mm-hmm. You know, it came up with Man of Steel when he uh, had to dispatch Zod in the way 
way he did. People who don't even really care that much for Superman said Superman doesn't isn't supposed to do that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, we've discussed at length the, the reasons and why it might have been okay and how it could have been explained and why it happened. But people from the outside and kids and things uh, don't necessarily understand why suddenly Superman seems to be acting in a way that their understanding of the character doesn't go. Yeah, and as I think someone's always, oh, I don't know who said it originally, but any particular issue could be somebody's first issue. And so every issue has to be good. Every issue has to resonate uh, so that somebody who's picking it up as their very first issue can say, yes, I want to read more of this. Yes. It's a good thing to try and strive for. Yeah. All right, let's go into the big question segment of our show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's question was, what Batman v Superman merchandise are you most interested in collecting? And I don't know if it's because there really there hasn't been enough released or, or because there isn't too much interest in this or maybe people don't know that much about what has been uh, kind of advertised. But we didn't get too many hmm. uh, responses this month. Uh, Giles uh, Sauvageau Jr. wrote, uh, Hi guys, I hope to see some great film posters of the Trinity together, and I must admit that the DC collectible Batman in the Krypton Buster suit looks amazing. I'm also very eager to see the action figures. I do hope they'll do a quality one, like the Star Wars Black series. I'll send you an MP3 someday, but to help you pronounce my name, here's some help, and he gives us the pronunciation so va jo, which I tried to use when I said his name. <laughs> Thanks guys for a super year, and Merry Christmas to you and your families from the province of Quebec. Well, thank you, Giles. I appreciate your uh, well wishes for the festive season and thanks for your response to this big question. Guthrie McLean writes in, he says, I would like action figures, but I want a Clark Kent Superman changeable action figure, yes. which we didn't get for Man of Steel. A new Man of Steel S logo T-shirt. And for the action figures, I'd like to see Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman and Doomsday. But for that, I could just wait until Justice League to get all of the JL figures. I don't feel like there is much. I can't think of what else. Maybe Lego sets too, a removable Batman mask, and maybe Eisenberg's Lex with a removable <laughs> red haired wig. Ha <laughs> ha. Thanks, Guthrie. Yeah, some interesting items there. Uh, there isn't much to, to think about. I mean, I guess you just go action figures, posters, statues, T-shirts. It's, it's kind of the, the same kind of range of items. It's just whether or not they speak to you when, they, when you see what they look like. Yeah, I definitely want to get some of the statues myself, and uh, I, and I've been saying for years, even before Man of Steel the movie, that we need more Clark Kent figures, we mm -hmm. need more interchangeable Superman Clark Kent figures, we need, I think we need Lois, I understand that action figures are mainly geared toward kids, toward boys, mm -hmm. but if you're telling a story where... Clark is Superman and he goes to work and he's married to Lois or he's with Lois or whatever, it can be helpful in your storytelling to have a yeah. Lois there. Yeah. And as a collector, it's nice to have them next to each other on the shelf. Patrick O'Neill, our illustrious sponsor, wrote, The merchandise I am most looking forward to see are the uh, statues and promotional material. I love seeing all the displays advertising the movie in stores and in theaters. Thanks for a great show, Steve and Scotty. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you, Patrick, and again, thanks for your support of this show. So, yeah, that's the uh, big question segment, the answers so far. I'm, in particular, uh, I'll, it's hard with this movie because I'm not really a Batman fan, so I don't want to get any of the shirts that have the Batman-Superman logo, you know, like the, the logo of the movie. I just don't see myself 
wearing that in particular. It's the Superman stuff that I'm more interested in. So some of the figurines and, and statues from the movie would probably be where I would be looking forward to. Yeah, I think I agree, although I will get the, the movie logo because it is a Superman movie, even though it's also a Batman movie, and it is a lead-in to the Justice League. And both of those characters are, are huge and important in terms of the formation of the Justice League, mm-hmm. hence we have the subtitle Dawn of Justice. And I did see the shirt in Hot Topic, but they only had smalls, mm-hmm. uh, and it was very appealing to me. I probably would have bought it on the spot if they had my size. Okay. And the new big question coming up, I think we'll get more responses to this one. It is, what did you think of the new Batman v Superman trailer? Even though we're, I guess, uh, by the time people get to this, we'll be over a month out since it was since it came out. But uh, hopefully, we'll get some responses on it. Yeah, well, it uh, came out not long after our last podcast was released, and obviously, we want to know what your thoughts are on it. Uh, so. Get involved with this new big question of, of, of this podcast. Let us know what you think of the Batman v Superman trailer, whether you've seen it just online, whether you've seen it at the theatre, before a movie, in 3D, IMAX, whatever it might be. Let us know what you think of the new trailer for Batman v Superman and get involved with the Big Questions segment of our show. You can do that by using the Big Question feedback form found at the Superman homepage, or you can record your answer as an MP3 file and send that in to us. We're only too happy to receive those, and we'll play them here in our next podcast, which will be released at the end of January. And now it's time for our comedy sketch of the month. What fine entry do you have for us this time around, Steve? Well, we've been scrounging around, and thanks to Patrick Aslan again, who's come to our rescue. Uh, We've got a Saturday Night Live skit from 2001, which involves Hugh Jackman, uh, the great Australian actor, uh, playing Superman. And uh, he comes up, uh, it's it's him having a chat with uh, Jarrell and Lara in the Fortress of Solitude. Finally, after a lifetime of wondering, I will discover the secrets of my past. With this crystal, the mystery of my true identity will be revealed. My son, you do not remember me. I am Joran. I am your father. Father. As time is measured on Earth, I have been dead for many thousands of years. Who am I? You are Kalan, the last son of Krypton, defender of the light that is truth and justice. Father, I have so many questions. And together we shall find the answers. All my knowledge, all my wisdom are stored in these crystals I bequeath to you, my only son. (laughs) So... How's it going? Fine. That's good. How how are you? Great. Cool. You need any money? No, no, I'm all right. Good. Thanks, though. Sure, sure. Your mother wants to say hello. Oh, cool. My dear Kal-El, 
As time is measured on Earth. Yeah, Dad already told me that, Mom. Oh. So how are you, sweetie? Fine. You're so grown up. And colorful. What's that supposed to mean? Oh, nothing. Nothing. So do you have any friends? Fred, yeah, there's uh, Lois Lane. Oh, you have a girlfriend. Thank God. No, well, she... <laughs> mom, mom, mom. <laughs> mom, she's not really my girlfriend. Oh. Yeah, we're just buddies like, uh, we're just buddies like Jimmy Olsen, you know, this teenage kid I hang out with. Oh. <laughs> what? No, nothing. What? No, no, it's nothing. I just, I... Here, your father wants to say something, okay? Hey, son. Hey, Dad. So, uh, what else? Do you have a dog? No, no. No, I was thinking of getting one, though. Good. Great. You should. Well, anyway, I better let you go. Okay, say goodbye to Mom. You bet. Okay, bye, Dad. Oh, uh, Kal-El. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> See ya. Okay, bye. Hi, Kal-El. Hi, Grandma. So there you have it, a uh, bit of an awkward conversation there with Superman and his parents, so very fun. Uh, thank you, Patrick, for finding that one for us, and uh, we'll hopefully have more uh, comedy sketches in future podcasts. Let's move on to our next segment. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Oh, very good. Is there a train in your room? Like a like a locomotive? I keep hearing, I keep hearing it go around the tree or something like that. Someone's doing the lawns out uh, outside. So he's... oh right, you're in the summer now. Yes, Lucky you. Right. Uh, we are going to have seventy degrees here on Christmas, which oh, is wow. uh, that's nice. We're in the middle of a winter. We just passed winter yesterday. It became when we passed the winter solstice, and uh, we're going to have a warm week. And uh, they're saying the week after that is also going to be warm. Cool. So. As far as lucky you, with, with being in the summer, we seem to be having pretty good weather here ourselves. <laughs> but now it's time for the not sound of uh, lawnmowers outside, but the super secret soundbite. And last month's sound came from DC Nation, DC World's funniest animated shorts. That was a mouthful. Uh, why don't you play that for us again, Steve? Yes, here it is. I'm not really a sporty person. I can fly. I do do running and things. So that was the uh, one of the the Superman kid for World's Funnest uh, from those DC Nation animated shorts, and we only had two people guess where that sound came from. Who were they, Scotty? They were David Huang and Fred Walsh. Yeah, congrats, guys. Uh, well done. That's a pretty difficult yeah. one. So well done. And uh, let's I couldn't see. even I couldn't even say the yeah. name of the title. So. <laughs> Let's see if uh, more people can guess where in the world of Superman this new super secret soundbite comes from. Great Scott, the LexCorp duplicator ray that created you. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, use Smallville the... season 13 <laughs> in the future. 
Use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and give us your entry. We will read out the names of everyone who gets it right here on our next podcast. Awesome. So now it's time to move on to the Superman song, which is Jor-El, Jor-El, a Superman Christmas carol to the tune of Noel by Michelle Osorio. Yeah, this one uh, went viral a couple of years ago when we saw it online, and uh, she did a very good job of it, Michelle. So here is a Christmas carol, Jor-El, Jor-El. Here's the story of a dear father we know, and his sacrifice made such a long time ago. Jor-El, 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 Jor-El. God is the father of Kalel. In a Krypton town was a boy child's birth, but impending doom made him a savior to Jor-El knew Krypton's end was drawing near, which brings up the question, how did soups end up here? Jor-El looked it up on Google Sky, and he said, Earth has nice folks, even though they can't fly. Jor-El, 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 Jor-El. Gone is the father of Kalel. He put his son in a big comfy rock. Then he stood with his wife and they told him good luck he gave his life that his one son might live who saves us quite often what a nice gift to give jor-el 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 gone is the So there you have it, a very festive song for the end of our 2015 podcast. Now, remember, if uh, as you're sitting back drinking some eggnog or whatever it might be over this festive season that you might be doing, opening your presents, playing with your toys, whatever it is, think about Scotty and I sitting back here trying to get our next podcast together. And if you have a suggestion that you would like us to use in our next podcast, maybe there's a song you'd like to suggest. Maybe there's a comedy sketch. Please, if you've got a comedy sketch, let us know about uh, that we can use here on our podcast. Uh, any suggestions for topics, big questions, all those 
ideas, throw them out to us. Uh, use the KAL feedback form found at our website. And, uh, or you can send us an email. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com. You could email scotty at scotty at supermanhomepage.com and we'll try to use those ideas in a future podcast. But for now, that's the end of the show. That's the end of the year. Thank you so much for listening to our show and thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve, and uh, happy holidays to you and your family and to everybody out there listening. Happy New Year. And remember, always look up in the sky because you might see Lara's boy child screeching toward the earth in his ship to save the world. Hello, everyone. This is Superman bringing you best wishes for a very Merry Christmas from Lois Lane, Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, and myself. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by Patrick O'Neill and supermanhomepage.com.